my life went all the way to the bottom, man. Bottom of the barrel really? after soccer. Yeah. I was living behind a Walmart. And as a teacher, I had a six month drawdown, not big, but six months unprofitable, dude. Get it, dude. I've had like a $40,000 trade, $70,000 trade, $80,000 trade. I haven't hit the six figure trade yet, but all those trades didn't feel good to sell, bro. Dude, you know dude put I mean? it this way. My first thousand dollar win felt a thousand times better than my biggest <laughs> trade, which was $80,000. And that went on for like a week. And after two weeks, dude, I was full blown size and I made a hundred K in December. Dude, if I could figure out how to sell to the breakout, then I'm going to make money forever in small cap land, dude. What's up traders. Welcome to the day trading show. My name is Austin Silver. I am your host. Today, we have an incredible interview. James, my co-host and I sit down with Roland Wolf. Roland is very well known, especially in the small cap space. We touch on everything. Roland explains how he basically went from homeless to successful day trading. He won his girlfriend back. Now he has four kids with her. She's his wife. He talks about his professional soccer career all over the world from, I think he said, Uruguay and Portugal. Like just an incredible guy between his hard work, his discipline, his commitment to trading, his passion for markets, all the way through some of the trials and tribulations that he's had to work through. Like I just mentioned a few. So sit back and enjoy. You guys are going to love this. Again, this podcast is ad-free. So please enjoy Spotify, YouTube, wherever. If you enjoy it, stay through till the end and drop some comments on YouTube or shoot me a DM. Let me know what you want me to ask Roland next time we bring him on, because we're definitely going to be bringing him on again. We talked for an hour. We could have talked for five. So again, make sure you're subscribed and enjoy this conversation with Roland Wolf. What's going on, traders? Welcome back to the show. Today, we're sitting down. It's myself, James Bruce, and our special guest, Mr. Roland Wolf. Now, Roland and I have been connected for, I would say, bro, it's been five years that I've been following your journey. But just recently, Roland and I were talking how he's getting into the content creation game. A lot of you guys have been following him. And really, Roland, you just used to post PL, bro. That's all it used to be yeah. for you. I remember back in the day, it was just screenshots of the PL, but now it's taken yep. a, a whole new form. So it's really good to have you here, bro. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been, uh, I was kind of, I'm kind of a dinosaur, dude. I'm like 37. So I'm old for like our no, space. You know bro, what I mean? you're not old. Come on. Don't say that bro, yet, bro. I'm right I'm just there saying, behind you. I'm catching up. Oh, damn. I know. But, but that's kind of what it's been. And I never liked social media, man. I didn't, and I didn't, I don't really like the marketing aspect of our space, man. You know, right. I like teaching a lot. And I felt kind of, that was my strong suit. So I just let students kind of find me over the years. You know what I mean? Yep. Trickle. I do. I was running in-person boot camps and stuff. And whoever would come to that, that's who my students would end up being. Cause I know right. they're serious. I know I don't have to like baby, you know, I'm not working with babies here and I have to spoon feed them stuff. 100%. Serious people that I could mentor while also still trading as like hard as I can. You know what I yeah. mean? I didn't want it. I didn't want the teaching to take over my trading because I felt like the trading so important to the teaching. You know what I mean? Like if I can't trust that I could make money in a bubble by myself, I don't want to then take that and spread it to the world. So that was kind yeah. of my MO. And I felt like I wanted to work with just a small group of people. So that mixed with everything that I deemed to be so fake about social media and just kind of being a hater, I guess you could say, you know, and looking back, I was drinking some haterade, you know, when people would come up, I'd be like, oh, that person's fake or this person that, or judging people without knowing anything about them, just like people do to me all the time. You know what I mean? And I get that. I get that in the space, but I've turned a new leaf over the last six months or eight months, man, certainly where it's like, it helps, dude. It helps to reach out 
you know, across and, and talk to different traders and see what they're doing. And, um, it's been way more fulfilling. And at the same time, I'm able to reach more people now, which I'm, you know, I'm really confident in doing because I'm confident in what, what I'm working with. So, um, and then, you know, I came across you on social media, man, one of your videos, you were talking about trading psychology and I'm like, I really just, I liked your answer. And that was enough for me because most of the stuff I see on social media for the most part, isn't that bro. It's all just flashing your shit and who watches and, a Lamborghini, everything else that we're not everything. About. Right. And I get that. I get that too. It's smart. It's man, lifestyle marketing. marketing. It works. It's so smart, dude. Um, yeah. and and to a certain extent, I'm kind of guilty of that, but my lifestyle is different, dude. I, the kind of lifestyle I flash is that I get to spend time with my kids in the afternoon. Um, I don't miss their baseball games and shit. I work for 10, 15 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, whatever the morning's going to bring me, um, make money, lose money, hang with my wife. If there's an emergency, you know, my baby's here. I got all the things I need and want. I have no boss. Then I work with students, man. It's like super fulfilling to me. So that's kind of what I, the vibe I've been trying to get out there is that it's not all that bullshit. Um, and, and there are people who are just trading every day that are regular, man. And those so are the people, people that like I that. resonate with. Yep. Yes. hundred yes. percent. Not, so. not coaches first, traders first. And I think that's what yep. my audience is looking for in this podcast is for me to yep. not just bring on the guys that do, I think it well, both sides like you do, but really start talking to a lot of guys that are traders first. And that's what you were before you stepped into this light in social media and the marketing, but let's right. back up a little bit more because you and James were connected through one of the Wolf Financial, you mentioned Twitter things, and then you guys really hit it off. And I think you connected based on professional sports because James, we yep. know, played rugby. And now we know from you, you were playing professional soccer. So I'm going to go back even further than that, though, before we go to that. I want to yeah. know what the 13-year-old you was like. Tell us about 13-year-old, 14-year-old Roland. Were you entrepreneurial, outgoing, shy? Tell us about that part of your life. I'm curious. Um, kind of an anomaly, maybe. You know, I was a <laughs> skateboarder. I was a secondary black belt in Taekwondo. I was really good at soccer. Um, but I was also, I wasn't studious, man. Okay. I fucking hated school. I hated school. Like from the get, I knew like, I don't, I can't sit here all day and do this. In fact, I never, if you ask 13 year old me and, and he saw me today, he would slap me and be like, what the really? fuck are you doing sitting, by, sitting behind a computer? You know, like I, yeah, true, I true, never true. thought, I never thought you know, and I would be able now to explain to that 13 year old me, listen, dude, it's a good gig, right? We got right now. And you, you'll be really happy here. You know what I mean? It's actually, right, right. you'll be, you know, you're, you're, you're happy, bro. Right. But, um, but, but you know, that's, I, I never really, I wanted to play soccer and I wanted to play, dude. You know, I knew, I knew for me, it would be something physical, um, something competitive, something that got my juices flowing and that interests me. I it's maybe ADD. I don't care what it's called. Um, undiagnosed, whatever the hell, but for yeah. me, it's, you know, it's just, I just need to be active and and yeah. competitive, you know? So yeah, hundred percent. And it yeah, shows, that's I mean, a, even in that answer, bro, the skateboarding, the black belt and the soccer, like clearly not only did you like being physical and being out and being social with people, but you liked winning. Like you yeah, didn't like losing in Taekwondo, bro. right? You didn't know. Nope. So you had that competitive drive from a young age that's and it. it shows in your trading right now. And I'm, I'm yep. sure it translates into everything else you do. And you're very For fit sure. now. I know you post your stories. I see every day you're posting your stories a couple hours later than I'm there. Cause I'm at the gym at noon and we got a couple hours time difference, but you're in there still getting after it now, yep. but in a different way, right? You're, it seems more yep. like in, at least in your fitness. Now you're competing more against yourself. You're not doing any competition oh, yeah. there, right? Nah. It's really you and you. 
You want to make money trading, we can help you do that. Click the link, take the three-day free trial to ASFX TV, and come live stream with our team of funded, full-time professional traders all week long. Dude, actually, the fitness thing only started because, a funny story, I, my son, I got four kids, and my oldest son's really inefficient, so we were in Austin a couple years back, and uh, we were at this creek, and he fell in, bro. He fell into this creek, and it was like this wow. long, it was like a big slide down this concrete thing to get into this creek, and it was deep, and it was kind of hard to get out of. So, and I didn't see it. I just heard it. So I turn, so I like turn around and I hear, I look down in the, I knew it, dude, you know, I'm like, look yeah. down and he's like in the water and all his gear, his like fishing boots and everything. And I just jumped in obviously. And so where it, dude, it took me 10 minutes to crawl out of this ditch. Like, like I was out of shape, bro. Um, and I didn't feel so strong, but I had that dad power. And like, my son's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And dude, for a split second, I'm like, maybe i'm like no 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 we're not gonna die, dude. my <laughs> hands oh, that is crazy i couldn't i couldn't type for two weeks because my there was like moss got up halfway up my fingernails dog and it was like it was a really messed up experience and from that moment i'm like i'm turning into the most superman possible bro if i need to lift a car i'm gonna lift a fucking car respect and, bro and um respect. so that that's actually where that came from and then it feels good to be fit bro you know dude, it feels good sure. at the same time so it's just kind of that's where it led me. And then I got students and people who tell me it is inspiring. I'm not all about the shirtless pic selfie kind of thing or no, like showing your muscles. But if people find it inspiring, um, I'd rather inspire in that sense than show them like a Lamborghini or my Rolex, 100%. which is fine. If, dude, if that is what it is, dude, I bought a Rolex. Okay. I'm not going to lie. 2020, end of 2020, I bought a Pepsi GMT Rolex. It was beautiful. And I felt I earned it, dude. I hadn't bought splurge on myself in five years after being successful in trading. It all went to my family. We bought a house. We did that shit. So I got the Rolex, dude. And yeah, it felt good, dude. I walked around like, whew, like, you know what I mean? I got this. <laughs> yeah. 20. At the time it, it was 20. It went up to like 40 at one point and now it's back down a little bit. But I remember thinking like, yeah, it does give you that feeling of better than and like this weird boost that I part of me liked a little bit, but then part of me is like, didn't really like it, man. You know, it was kind of, um, you know what I, you know what the worst part about the Rolex was for me is that I didn't like banging it into stuff. You know, I'm super active. Bro, I tell and, everybody and that's what I would do if I had one. I just dumbest, started wearing dude. this because this is my dad's and my dad yeah, just passed this month. That's awesome. But other than oh, that, I'm sorry. I would man. never, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. I would never wear this, but I would because totally. I bang into it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. With my whoop, dude, I bang it up all dude, the time. Yeah, I get it. I wear G Shock now. Um, and I have a $20 watch from Walmart. It's just one of those uh, Casio whatevers. And it's yeah. because I got kids and shit. But so here was the turning point. I was about to go to Italy. Okay. Uh, it's like 4 a.m. I've got bags full. My bag's full. I'm going down the stairs with my rolly on, you know, feeling good about going to the airport, uh, Europe trip. And I slipped from the second stair up, dude. It was all mm. wood stairs. Oh, guess my how God. I felt. Guess how I fell down the stairs, dude. Like this with my arm wrist up, with my left, right. ah! left arm up. Ass, right. Protect the everything watch. Else. Boom. Protect. I swear to God, dude, I, I would have died but the watch would have been flawless, dude. So, <laughs> so that's, so that was kind of like, this is the dumbest thing. And not only, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, bro, I get bro. it. And I don't, and, but I, it's not for me. I great, tried it. Great story and great. Yeah. I, I can relate so much to it because when you reach, I think financial success at different levels, you do want to reward yourself. You do want to experience what you work hard for, but there are certain things that I can relate, like I said, hundred percent to you where you spend money on certain things and it feels kind of superficial. Even like when I got my, we got a Tesla a couple of years ago and I, of course that's going to be a flex three years ago to people on the internet. Right. And I was even one picture. I remember 
posting it of me standing in front of the Tesla. It got so much attention and it made me feel weird. It's like, just because I can afford this car, now you want to listen to me versus when I was giving you real value and trying to help you, that didn't totally, make you man. want to listen to me. It's sad. So it just, it rubbed me the wrong yeah. way. And, and that's why my you. approach has been like to get attention from everybody in the internet, including guys like yep. you. I just put out all of this content. I put out more than the guy that takes one picture with one Lambo and posts once a week. I'm out right. there 15 times a day telling you, yep. you know, vomiting the value, even when you don't want it. So, and that's where I've kind of found my niche, but I could totally yep. relate. And I know a lot of our listeners do, you know what, bro? I think it's the, the generation is shifting where like material oh, things yeah. used to mean a lot more, but younger people are valuing experiences, the trip to Italy um, over wearing the Rolex to the trip to Italy. You know what I'm saying? I think it's still really divisive because obviously, I mean, you know, you got like Andrew Tate and stuff who I don't, I like a lot of the stuff he says, but, but the, you know, it's all like Bugattis and, and the, Oh, you did that. Well, out. it was good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, that's smart too. You know, it's, it's smart marketing. It is, you know, they're, but that's just not for me. And what yeah. I find is that when I, whenever I kind of push marketing like that, I end up with a specific set of people for the most part that I don't necessarily want to work with as a teacher. 100%. That's just me, dude. The people that I get are dads and like everyday people who are actually want to work and try to figure out how to trade on their own and all that good stuff. Those are the people yep. I, I can't tell you, man, I do boot camps all over the U S all year, dude, like one or two a month. Um, and there's not been one where someone comes to one of my boot camps and I'm like, screw that guy. That right. guy was a complete, you know, whatever. Um, that doesn't really happen. And I think that's because right. we put a certain energy out, whatever kind of energy you put out or that's what you're going to get back. And so that I may be cutting out a big portion of people, but for me, I don't really give a shit, man. No, 100%. You know, I, the way you, you choose I, to market, it attracts a certain type of customer. You yeah, do more Instagram 100%. marketing, you're not going to attract yep. great clients. You do podcasts, yep. you do Twitter, you're going to attract higher quality clients. A lot of my highest paying customers for the Black Shirt Club, which is the mentorship group me and James run, they come from the podcast because yep. what are adults, dads searching? And because they're busy, they're not watching Instagram all day. They got kids, nope. they got a job, they got, so you have to yeah. think about that too. And that plays into it. So hundred percent yep. agree. So now let's talk about the soccer a little bit, since you and James are uh, on the same page with the professional sport. So I played soccer, bro, back in the day, I switched to track in order to get into college. I ran track for Rutgers nice, for a couple of awesome. years. So That's I was fast. Sick. I played striker like yeah. you, but tell us about your career. So what happened? Cause you said you had a brief stint professionally. Yeah. So that's funny, man. My senior year of high school, actually, because I had a track coach through high school for soccer and um, he was desperately trying to get me to switch, dude, because I, I forget what my hundred was, but I was running pretty quick at the time. Um, I wanted to chase a ball. I wanted to score goals. Of so course. I played striker, uh, went to BU, Boston University on a full ride my freshman year. This would have been 05. Wow. Uh, and but I didn't even want to go to college, dude, because in soccer, you know, it's like a, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're supposed to be signing professional contracts. You're not yeah, supposed you're to be late. going to college. Right. You're and late. The whole, this is the whole world works like that. If not, you're, you're, you're getting a trade somewhere. You're going to be figuring out how to, you know, make something or do something with your life at that point, because soccer's out of the picture. Uh, so that was kind of the mind frame I came from back then. Now it's growing a lot in the U S over the last 20 years. It's amazing. Years Isn't it bro? Been, Can you believe like, even Miami, this last month? Yes, bro. Dude, look at Miami, man. We got Messi in America. It's amazing, bro. All it's amazing the what the MLS team. has I mean, come. Yeah, bro. It's amazing. It's still messed up, in my opinion. You know, it's just like old people from other countries who get money and not Americans yet. But that will change in the future. It will change. That's yes, a, that's another change. conversation, bro. Um, yeah, we could have a whole anyway, podcast, I'm yeah, sure, about that. Yeah, that's bro. another conversation, dude. But uh, 
yeah, so went there, went to BU my freshman year. Um, and then I, I led them in scoring. Then I left like right after first semester, dude, I was not there for school. I didn't go to class. You know, I didn't go to any classes. I just trained all day and played uh, second semester. I left and went to Portugal. Um, it's a club called Academica de Coimbra in Portugal, uh, first division club. So they play against like Benfica and sporting and all the big clubs yep, there. Yep. Um, but a smaller club and kind of a college town. And I was only 18, dude. So I was, I was there for about six months. They wanted to sign me, loan me out to a second division club, but I wanted to play. I was like kind of hard headed and stupid at the time. And that's the process there, you know, like minor leagues. Yep. I didn't want to go to the minor leagues. So yep. I kind of had this stupid, uh, ego thing that was stupid. Um, so I ended up going back to school instead. And cause I had a secure future there. I had, you know, full ride played sophomore year. Then I took off again, went down to South America, played at a club called Danubio in Uruguay. And then, uh, agent saw me there and he's like, you need to be in Europe. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go to Europe. So we went back right. to Croatia. This, this is my early twenties. Um, I was in a club called Reheka there on trial and then got just destroyed my ankle, bro. I was like 23 ish really? at the time. And so they sent me home. They're like, come back, you know, but I was 23 and, and my life just kind of went downhill from there, dude. I stopped playing. And as you guys probably know, the second you stop playing your sport, you're left with this void and no one tells you what's going to happen. You know, you can't, you're nothing prepares you for the second that your athletic career is over in your mind, at least. And I was left with the void that was so unfillable, dude, that you could not imagine. Well, you guys can imagine but most people can't imagine. So between 23 and 27 was me living the, the parties that I never got to live, you know, all the stuff my friends got to do, you know, in high school and college, but I was too busy on my sports. Uh, that's when I lived that life. So drinking, um, started smoking cigarettes and doing all this shit, dude, you know, partying girls, all the, all the bad stuff and good stuff when you're in your twenties and you think that's what's important. You know what I mean? Especially if you've missed out on it, you FOMO dog, For you know, sure. just as in trading as in life. Yes. So, so that hit me hard mixed with after recovering from my ankle, getting hooked on opiates, dude, you know, I, I dude, I, my life went all the way to the bottom, man, bottom of the barrel really? after soccer. Yeah. I was living behind a Walmart for three days. Um, and then after that, me and my brother were living in his apartment. We're getting real, by the way. I'm not holding back. Uh, no, bro. Gonna, I never knew want, this. This want, is crazy. If y'all want the start, because it's not something that I ever wanted to share, dude. But speaking with students lately and being out there on social more and kind of trying to share my story. It's so relatable. Dude, people are like, I, you don't even know how much it meant that you said that. Like, right. with tears in their eyes, bro. And I get to have these meaningful oh. conversations with people because of it. So I'm like, you know what? Let's, I don't, I don't give a shit. It's my story. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, so that, that's where that led me, um, uh, back in, you know, kind of the 2008 to 2010 realm, um, squatting in an apartment. And then my mother found us after like three months or I'm sorry, three weeks of that and took me to, uh, detox, went to detox. And then I went to, I lived in a halfway house, basically a rehab facility for almost a year, dude. Wow. Helping other, helping dudes, helping other dudes get sober. Like I stayed sober, completely hundred percent sober for a year, dude. And just working with guys, keeping myself sober, making myself a better person, changing myself, dude. And, and then, uh, and then I got back together with my girlfriend who had left me because of all my issues. And she's now my wife and we now have four kids. Uh, mm -hmm. 
And, and that led me to trading, bro. You know, like having my kids is what eventually led me to trading. Um, after all of that and all those experiences I feel have molded me as a trader, dude. And as a teacher, you know, so it's kind of, I, you know, I've been down to the bottom of the barrel. Uh, so that's, and that was that void though, that I was talking about, dude. I didn't know how, I didn't know how to live anymore without my identity as like, I'm rolling, you know, star soccer player, striker bound for like us national team and glory, you know, that's what my whole life was about. And then when that was gone, it's like, what, what, what now, you know, dude. So, 100%, that, uh, yes. so there's, there's a kind of long answer to kind dude, of a simple, I, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you sharing it. Cause it is relatable. James, you play yeah. professional sports, so I'm sure you can relate more to me because I only played in college, right? To that yeah. void, that emptiness. How did I'm curious, just since we're talking about it, how did <laughs> yeah. you fill it? When did because Roland kind of explained how he transitioned then into trading and trading yeah. seems like kind of gave him fulfillment after that once he got back on the straight. But what about for yeah. you? Um, so I actually got goosebumps feeling that because at in 2021, um I actually, so I, I finished my career in the end of 2019. So I spent three years out of school. I was on a professional rugby contract and I ended up playing with some guys that are playing with more than some guys, eight of them, nine of them that are playing for the national side now. And, you know, our national side is the reigning world champion. So totally. these are guys who are like oh, serious, serious rugby players. Um, uh, But I bust my knee up. I came back and I played a few games afterwards, but I just didn't get another contract because I was 19, at, uh, 21 at the time. And you know, when you're young and you've, you've just come off an injury, they don't, they're just going to move on to the next person. So uh, that's where I found trading. So I actually, without the injury, I wouldn't have found it, but uh, I started to make um, a good, good money, right? Uh, trading. And it was sort of like uh, end of 2020, middle of 2020, I found awesome beginning end of 2019, started to make good money. And then uh, 2021 hit. And uh, when you're sitting at your desk and you've got nothing to think about all day, when you don't have trades going on or anything like that, you... Uh, start to think about, uh, you know, your life experiences because now you're not training. You know, I stopped going to what well, as gym as much. You're not training all the time with your mates. You're sitting at the desk right. and it's just you and and you're trading. And I actually ended up going to uh, a what you call uh, a hospital for a month because I had severe depression. I was in hospital for a month because I had really really bad depression, and I was on antidepressants for eight months because I uh, some things came up for my family. Uh, life that I uh, was putting off for seven, eight years because I had things to do. I had the I had the rugby that was filling my life was revolved around rugby. I was James, the rugby player, right? That's what people would know me at. Like I'd go home to my hometown and I'd be walking in the shops and it's and in a small town, people would be like, "Hey, there's James Bruce. He played first team rugby for for Selborne, my school, right?" So it's 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 uh, it, I can definitely find that very very relatable. And it's the same thing with trading. And I've also tried to make this not. Um, not uh, be who I am. Like when I, when someone asks, what do I do? I don't tell them I'm a trader. I say, I don't really attach my emotional capacity and what who I am as my, yeah. as a, in my worth as a day trader. I don't say I'm a day trader. I actually just say, I, I trade stocks or I trade currencies, right. you know, for a living, but that's not who I am. And I think it's the same thing. That's what I learned about the rugby. I put everything, my whole self-worth into the rugby. And then when you, when you leave it, well, you, you don't have it anymore. Uh, and that's probably why I don't have uh, watch rugby as much anymore because I left with kind of, I have that sour taste in my mind. I remembered of that depression and that brought up everything. So I definitely uh, would agree with that. But just one thing that I would, uh, I did want to say earlier with, um, was with you having four kids now. Uh, most of the time, uh, you know, 
when with with the materialistic things, right? You and 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 this came up as well in that in that time too. You don't actually need your worth and and to place it in, in something. You just need to be able to do what makes you happy on an everyday basis. And being a dad and trading to make money, um, and support your family and be with your family. I mean, my dad never missed a rugby game of mine. In he missed two rugby games from the age of eight till I was eighteen. He missed two rugby games. And my dad could have bought me anything that he wanted, but he gave me that. So I just wanted to say that's a big thing for you as well about watching your sons play baseball and fishing with them. They don't really care about um, about any materialistic things. I, if I can go back, my dad's the best dad I could ever had because he he supported me in everything I did. So yeah, that's the void though. I think I, I can definitely relate to that. It's a, and trading uh, filled uh, the void for both of you. So when you transitioned, yeah. and that was well said, James, when you transitioned then into getting, first of all, I mean, bro, I got questions about how, How'd you get that girl back like that? <laughs> first, first of all, like, can you touch on that for a second? Cause like you just brushed over that. Cause like how many girls would do that, bro? That says a lot about her, yeah. even more about her than you probably. So first off, I've known her since we were 12. So it's a little, we have history. We dated senior year of high school. Uh, she was voted best looking in high school for all you out there. Just so you know, flex. Uh, <laughs> just a little flex, just nah, but uh, beautiful. She's a beautiful person, you know? And, um, she, you know, I, I just became a better person, man. That's all it was. I, and I didn't even, I wasn't trying to get her back, dude. I had let her go, bro. I, I couldn't at first. Cause I was all dude, when you're addicted to drugs, bro, and you're living life like that, you're just a selfish piece of shit. And you're just yeah. like every, but you're also feel alone and everyone's hurting you and you're a victim and, and it's real to you, dude. It's not, it doesn't make it not real and you need those drugs. So it is what it is. But but uh, all the best people I've ever met were that year in recovery, dude. All those addicts and alcoholics, when they get sober, because of this process you have to go through to kick drugs, dude, for good. The only process that kind of works, which is this AA process, man, you got to do a personal inventory. You're basically doing everything that you need to do to get good at trading, bro. You need to look yourself square in the eyes. You need to look at your data. This is what I did, dude. I had to journal like so many things, dude. Um you have to take this inventory of yourself and your thoughts and your actions. And then you have to go apologize to people and make amends for all the things you did wrong and do all these things that free you. And, uh, and then you have to have this sense that you're not the most important thing in the universe too. You have to have to be humble. So it does all these things to you. And, and I think that was just kind of a big deal. So, so after, so after going through this process and not like, I'm helping all these dudes and I happen to be the, I got as jacked as I've ever been in my life, bro. I'm serious, man. Like, uh, like now ain't shit compared to that year of my life. Cause I'm getting older. My test levels have got to be dropping. I know it. I'm going to have to see a doctor soon. Uh, but back then, you know, I'm like 28 or 27, bro. I was romping. I was so big man. <laughs> and, and I had just got sober. So I was just eating so much food and just like, so jacked. And that might be part of it too, but but, but it was the whole thing. I would, you know, she saw that I had, that there was this transformation and she could trust that she would be safe with me. You know what I mean? That's awesome. That's amazing. So and that, it, I, it think speaks, that, I think that's what it, it was. And it does, it definitely was. And it, I was being funny. It speaks a lot to your character to taste the bottom and come up because there are people who taste the bottom and cannot come up. So it says a lot that you dug yourself out and helped people along to the way. And it of course is now why you take fulfillment from your coaching. So sidebar question, do you take more fulfillment from your coaching or from your trading? Tough question, bro. Right. Because trading I, is the finances that oh, provide bro. you the freedom, but I helping somebody, trading. right. 
I love trading, dude. Um, but especially recently, dude, I had switched to a new model where I'm like really working with traders right now, one-on-one. And I used to, you know, the game is not that if you're trying to run a business as, and, and the Mart like, and the, you know, FinTwit like financial space, that's, it's a tough, uh, it's tough. It, yeah. it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to talk to people yep. individually, man, yep. you know, and it's not 100%. the best use of my time from a monetary standpoint, especially when all. it's for free. Right. But the whole thing has been, I've been talking to them and it's just kind of made it real from a personal level. And I, and, and from a psychological, I find myself almost to shrink, dude. It's weird. Like when I'm working with students, so, it, so it takes its toll on me. It's a lot more work to me than the trading is. Cause the trading, I have my process on autopilot. Like sure. I am always tweaking it, but I have a process that either is working for me or not working for me when it doesn't work for me, I got to tweak some things, but it, you know, it's not as much work. It's more maintenance for me, my trading right now. Uh, the teaching is where I'm really, I mean, I'm just having really good results with students right now doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I see it I on feel, your Instagram all the time. Dude. And I feel like right now to me, as opposed to, I'm still going to you know, do social and get content out and do YouTube and do all these things. But I'm really trying to just focus on this set of students I have and trying to buck this, like this 90% failure thing, dude. I want to really buck it for myself. This isn't even a marketing thing. I feel like in the end, I will get students because I'm able to show an actual track record of like, yeah. it's not hundreds of thousands and I have a millionaire or two. It's like, he has like a couple hundred students. They're like all great traders. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. which I know is not possible, dude, because no, it is, people want... but people will come and go. I, I, yes. like, I've been, I've been yeah. running this mentorship for a while now. And we've seen like James started, like he said, as a student of mine, like he bought the course, he came in and he's helped me grow ASFX. Like our business is what it is. Thanks to in part to him. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's, that's the way that I felt like the business always had to grow was someone would that. come in organically and it's now happened for three other people other than, well, two other people, him being one of them. So there's the four of us that are running the show now. That's the, awesome. It, it's the best way, bro. Cause now we're all cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? Now they, of course, the way James trades now is a little bit different than the way I trade, of course, but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the same foundation, you know, that's and always, I think, that's always the case. Always, of course. And now James has the same taste in his mouth that you and I do of helping someone, seeing them improve, seeing them make more money for us right now. And I'm, I'm curious because we're going to get into some trading shit now. I'm We're helping guys get funded with these prop firms. So when somebody gets their first prop firm payout, they get three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. They get a refund back, whatever it may be. That's huge for people. And I feel like you can probably relate because you make good money from your trading as well. You get caught up. You and me are shooting for 10, 15, 30, 40, 50,000 a month. Some guys, five grand still makes a big difference in their life. And that can be so impactful to like you said, to the point where they're crying tears in the eyes, you know? Yeah, I get it, dude. Uh, it, you lose touch with reality a little bit. Exactly. Sure. Once it, I mean, once you're dude, when you're, I don't, I'm not thinking about money when I'm trading, I'm it's, no. it's all numbers. It's all no. risk reward. And then, and then you pull I a make, 40 I'm grand making. day. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then that dude to me is anticlimactic anyway. So it's kind of like, I don't, it's, I don't really, yeah, I'm not fist pumping, man. Uh, no, because what I'm, are you supposed to do, bro? Go buy another Rolex? Nothing. I just, uh, right. it's it's just like, it's just, I did my job really well today. Hopefully maybe I got a little bit lucky. Whatever the circumstances is are, I just want to check out what happened and let's see, let's keep going, dude. Let's keep yeah. pushing. I'm all, yeah. I'm yeah. all about the next trade, dude. Always have been, not always early on, obviously you, of course, out and you're just like, I got stuck and you fall in love with things and you do all this crazy shit. 
Right. But I'm yeah. just all about the next trade. And and it, something I realized about that came down to um, Andrew Huberman, dude. Have you guys heard of him? Of you course, have to bro. have heard of him. Of course, bro. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, actually, this guy is the reason that you guys are seeing me make content now is Why? him. Because Why? at the end of 2022 was the worst. I mean, the markets were fucking, especially for small cap oh, yeah. and mid caps yeah. and just stocks Awful. and uh, everything in crypto and everything. It was just a terrible year, dude. But I had uh, the worst six month period that I've had since 2017. And, really? and as a teacher, I had a six month drawdown, not big, but six months unprofitable, dude, which hasn't it's happened in, in so long. And, and I, it was the markets, it was the markets, but it was also me just relying on what had always worked for me and not adapting well enough and all that good stuff and not working hard enough at the end of the day. So, so it was like, I was getting depressed again, dude, legit depressed. Uh, I had started doing business with, a, with someone else. I had kind of gotten away from this model that I have now and away from personal teaching and, and, um, and that was kind of not going really well either. So I was just felt helpless, dude. And I saw this Andrew Huberman, uh, it was actually the perfect morning routine, bro. Andrew Huberman, he starts talking about dopamine and ice baths and shit. And I just really liked it. I'm like, I like this. I liked everything I just heard and it just resonated again, just one piece of content resonated with me. I'm like, okay. So I went through his, his all listen, listen to all his podcasts and stuff like that. And read the book, uh, by his, uh, dopamine nation by one of his associates anyways, all about dopamine. And because of my past history with, with, uh, addiction it and dopamine, like I, I just was drawn to this dude and it made me realize so much about my trading and what we're, dude, we're like, we're a perfect guinea pig. I'm sure if they hooked us up pro, especially those who are like trading heavily all day, which I'm more right. positional, I'm not in and out a lot, but the people who are, I'm sure it's just dopamine spikes, bro. And but the thing, but here's the thing that resonated with me the most of all of that was that the dopamine is actually the journey. You actually get that dopamine buildup when you're working towards something, bro. This explained my whole fucking life to me in one video. Okay. The dopamine is actually the journey. We used to think the dopamine, the science used to say dopamine was like when you had the dessert and you felt good, or you took the drug and you get the dopamine, which drugs will give you the dopamine. But in real life, dude, you get it from the journey. So like a boxer training for a championship fight is full of dopamine. It's what drives us further, man. It's what drives the trader to find the next trade and stuff like that. But then afterwards there's a crash because to get back to baseline dopamine, it has to crash, get below equally amount. It goes below and then it will get, and then it'll equalize. So that's that thing traders feel all day. I'm sure it influences FOMO. Um, I'm sure revenge trading, you name it, dude. I'm sure yeah, all of it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's work, dude. Our chemicals are working against us when we're trading. I, I believe so you can kind of be I aware agree. of that. So it brought me, so that, that's what led me to like, okay, dude, stop being a little pussy. Sorry. I don't know what I can say and can't say. <laughs> no, you can say um, it all, bro. <laughs> okay. Come on. Okay. Uh, don't be a little pussy, dude. Like get up, get to work, fix your trading, fix your business, take your business back, fix your business, fucking take care of your kids. Cause that's the big thing for me that, that this depression, this last kind of period was a, because my trading sucks. So if my trading suck, how can I teach? How can I teach what I'm not doing well at? It kind of felt hypocritical. So I was just 100%. having a, this crisis dog. And, and then, um, and then at the same time, I have to look my wife in the face and I tell her everything's okay and have my three and have a fourth on the way and all that good stuff, dude. So it, uh, dude, like I said, just a piece of content. And that's why we're sitting here, dude, is because of that dude, you know? So that's why now I'm doing this. Cause it's like, fuck it. Uh, I have things to say too. And I know it helps my students. 
And I know all I see on the internet and on social media is the same bullshit that they're getting from chat GBT every day on how to trade and shit. And like, of course, here's my Lamborghini and here's the three rules from to the trade wall. And like, that's it. And so, yeah, you know, and I'm trying to associate and gravitate towards people who are on that same kind of path. And a hundred percent. So I'll let me dive deeper on that. I want to go deeper on the dopamine before you keep going, if that's okay. Cause it's, no, I it's think fine. this is, you're, you're the perfect one to speak on this. How do you help traders now control that hunger for dopamine? Like, what are you Dude, telling some of the guys just, that you're sitting with? Just the realization, just the realization for Awareness. me, the biggest, dude, the biggest realization is that every time I sell, it's going to be an anticlimactic feeling right? because their journey, because the journey is done. That was, dude, that was huge for me. I'm like, cause, cause I couldn't, I didn't get it, dude. I've had like a $40,000 trade, $70,000 trade, $80,000 trade. I haven't hit the six figure trade yet, but all those trades didn't feel good to sell, bro. You know what no. I mean? To the point where it's all, and that's affected me in trades in the past where I've been up big and then don't sell it, you know, because you want I that, know you want the action. You just want to play. I don't want to be out. I don't want the journey to be done. And it, it's mm. the same that I went back to my soccer career, dude. I didn't know. And I didn't know it at the time, but I just wasn't ready for that journey to be done either. And that led me to do a really fucked up shit for a long time. You know what right. I mean? Right. And, and, wow, and, bro. That's huge that, but, for yourself though. Huge awareness on yourself. And so I try to transmit that to people I work with, which is like, you have to be aware that you're going to go through these cycles throughout the day. It doesn't feel good to sell no matter what, like maybe it will at first, but like, as you get better and you're trying to push your performance that, you know, when you get like, dude, when you're in the, in the beginning, it all feels good. Like the losses don't feel great. The losses don't feel good, but the wins feel so good. You know so what I mean? Good. Of course. So good, dude. So the good. Dude, dude, put it this way. My first thousand dollar win felt a thousand times better than my biggest <laughs> trade, which was $80,000. Wow. Isn't that fucked up, dude? People, I'm, I'm not, not, I, people won't believe that though, bro. When they hear that, they, cause they facts, like dude, a new trade. No yeah. cap as the kids say. No dude. cap as they say. No right. cap. Dude, that is a fact. No, like my, that first thousand dollar trade changed my life, dude. Because right, that, cause that, it showed you that this is possible. 10 minutes, a thousand dollars, bro. You know, right. when that happened, I'm like 10 minutes at the, I did the math. I'm like thousand dollars in a week at the nine to five. I'm like 10 minutes at the computer that we're doing something I like, you know, and I did the math and I haven't turned back since then. I mean, yep. what year was that? What year did you first place? 2016. That first oh, that was 17 was the first Seven. time I had that trade though. Got it. That, Got it. that okay. changed it. But so 15, um, 15 is I had my son in 14. Okay. Uh, my first kid. All right. Fifth in 2015, I took uh, like 400 or I forget. It's been a long time, 400, 700, 800 bucks. And I put it into like a capital one, 360 account. They don't even have it anymore. Um, a brokerage account though. And I Googled cheap stocks. Cause I knew I don't have enough to buy Google. I did math, bro. You know, I'm pretty decent at math. So I'm like, I could buy how many shares Can't of afford Google. This. And how, right. And then, and then I knew it's got to move a certain amount. It's got to move really a lot for me to make anything significant. So I'm like, okay, right. screw that. So I found the cheapest stocks. I'm like, well, I could buy more shares if they're cheaper. This is just right. my logic right off the smart, right off the bat, which is true. Okay. I still am stuck where this logic took me to. Okay. Um, so I bought Barrett gold. It's uh, they've changed names since then. I think they, I'm not even sure if they're still around, but Barrett gold Bank of America. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I think, okay, perfect. Yeah. It is GOLD now, but it used to be yeah. called Barrett gold. It, it yeah. may still be, but it, it used to be a different ticker. Yeah. Um, so I put half in there, half in Bank of America. BA did nothing. Um, Bank of America did nothing. I'm sorry. Um, Barrett Gold doubled, all right, over the span of eight months or a year. 
so now we're into 2016 and I'm like, whoa, I'm like the stock market's real, dude. Like I didn't do anything with that money. And here it is. It's double what I put in, you know? So that was, that was, I was always kind of interested in wall street and all that good shit and trading just like anyone, but not trading, but that, that was the, that was the realization. Then I went down the rabbit hole, dude. I go, how do I do this faster? How and can I make a hundred percent faster? Right. Right. How can I make, I didn't realize that it's like what it was going to take me to. And that there's this whole day trading realm, all the different instruments that you can do it in to make much more gains in a small period of time, much more risky, but volatility, dude. In other words, volatility is what it led me to. And that's where we're here this day because of that. And now you're still trading penny stocks. Was Tim Sykes an influence for you? Yeah, dude. So he's the first person I found. He's the first person. Because I, I thought like in Google my stocks. head, you guys are like in my brain, I saw you and we're doing something like put like yep. that he helped you. So I remember seeing you together dude, when I got into trading. Dude. So when I started day trading in 16 and when you Googled how to day trade, okay, he came out to bro. day trade, not just not just he came up. He was the only one mm -hmm. him. Um, the warrior trader was another one. Yep. Investors Ross. underground, investors yep. underground. There was yep. a very small, it was a small niche, bro. Cameron Foos. Foos was still Cameron around Yeah. And he does other, Kunal he's still doing other stuff. Kunal, I, Bulls I had Foos on the podcast a couple of episodes yep. ago. Foos is still doing exactly, his thing. Exactly, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. He's still going too. And, um, so that was it. And the main thing that drew me to him were, was Tim Gratani, dude. And a couple of his Savage, other students. Savage. Dude, this guy no one hates on this dude. He is the no, greatest. In my opinion, I, you know, when, once I realized how he traded and watched his guides, that was the main, like real big turning point for me where I realized how this short seller phenomenal at the peak of his powers at the time was short selling. And I was matching up his, his areas of entry to my entries of buying. And I'm like, Oh God, I buy this dude shorts. He's like, you know what I mean? I'm the guy on the other end of this dude's trades and, and being so competitive, like I'm definitely never fucking doing that again. I literally told that to my wife. I go, and I had this, I was like watching his guide on my phone in the car. My wife was driving around just like this. And I turned over like, <gasps> and she's like, what? I'm like, I've been buying Tim Gratani shorts. She has no fucking clue what the fuck. She doesn't know what means. you're talking about, bro. But you're no like, clue, oh my God. Bro. It was a aha moment, you know? So yeah, uh, between him, found a couple other mentors. Um, and, and yeah, but Tim Sykes, dude, that's, you know, he's definitely, OG, bro. he's one of the, OGs. He, was the he was the one who had the information, you know, he had like a, you know, a couple things I read online where I'm like, okay, it resonated. And then Tim Gratani, I saw him like, that guy's real. Cause yes. I wasn't so sure about Tim at first. Most people. Well, yeah, bro. Cause back in those you know, days he was a, on some show. He had an orange Lamborghini, big house in Miami. He was flexing. It was different. He was different than he is today. Yes. yes it it, it yes. was, it was uh, the Lamborghinis and stuff. I was Lambo yeah. Tim. So yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't trust that at the moment. Cause no one really fully trusts that. You know no. what I mean? No one actually does. Uh, but it was the testimonials and I, and, and some of the information. He had millionaire so it, students. Like he actually dude, was making dude, people. I, yeah. No, dude, I, and, and to be fair, man, like I learned a lot through a lot of his traders too. Um, the main thing I got from Tim right off the bat was cut losses quickly, dude. And yes, I, and that dude, that literally saved me that one rule enough to where I'm like, all right, cool. That it, dude, that, that gave me a foundation. The fact that i never was the dude that held for no reason, like that couldn't, that's cut. huge, bro. How many traders dude, move their stop loss or hold the loss? I didn't even have a stop in the second it would start going red on me and I could feel it like that. And I just the feeling that it was going against me at all, dude, Boop, 
off. Right. That was right. it. And and, right. and of course, all the time you get the rip and, and and you're like, oh, shit, I was wrong. And but I didn't care like that. And that's still to this day is like one of my saving graces, dude. And I revert straight back to that mode of trading if I'm doing some risky. Like if I know yeah. I'm chasing something I shouldn't or I trading, even if I'm trading something that's not my strategy, you know, or something yeah. I'm trying to experiment on, I'll still go there, you know? Yeah, of course. So, it's the, of course. So now what's this trading look like for you now? You said 15, 20, maybe an hour a day. Tell us like what your daily routine looks like, if you don't mind. So daily routine. Um, do you like living in Texas man. trading the New York stock market? Cause you wake up, what's it? The open is like eight 30 for you. Seven 30, dude. I was in Phoenix. So it was six. That sucks, bro. It sucks. But I was also, um, it also kind of gave me a whole day, like two days. Of felt course, like be done of course. At, you just got to go to bed one. a little earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I don't mind. Texas is a kind of perfect medium, you know, East yeah. coast kind of feels like when the trading day is done, the day's done, you know, you got, yes. it's like four, you got to yeah. do all these things. So yeah. I, yeah, I, uh, I like Texas, dude. We, I wake up early. It depends right now. We're summer break. So my kids are here. You know what I mean? It's You're a, a camp zoo, counselor dude. and a day trader now. Dude, uh -huh. it, it, yeah, it's a zoo, but my wife does her best to <laughs> kind of keep them under control. Uh, but usually, you know, my wife will take care of most stuff. I'll get to the markets, check my pre-market scan. I just get straight into process in the morning, hit my scans, hit my ideas that I've been kind of watching, start talking to my students. I trade live every day, all day, dude. Like not all day, but I do pre-market prep live for my people just and like via voice chat and webinar. Um, and then I just kind of stream for the first, however long I'm trading in the morning. And yeah. the, but if I'm not streaming, we just do voice and I'll just, I dude, I just blurt commentary because, and I've gotten good at it over the years. It used to kind of, you know, it's tough to trade and talk to, to people. A hundred percent, bro. Dude, it's, it's not the same. And you know, I, there's that trade off there, but it is not, you're like, I've gotten way better at it. In other words, I don't give a shit what people think. You know, right. what, what they're, what they're hearing or thinking. I just say my thoughts so they can hear those thoughts. I want them to, yeah. I, I do my best to mirror what I'm really thinking, dude, which right. no filter. You know, I'm no, I'm cool, calm and collected, but I, but I could be schizophrenic. I could be, you know, I can have weird shit happen to me too. And that's what I want my students to see. I don't want them to see my big trades, dude. No, cause no I mean, I perfect. want them to, not trying to portray a perfect fucking dude. And like, yeah, you get like a hundred likes or a thousand likes and everyone likes that shit. But to me, what I want to see is when I'm all fucked up. Right. Because that is that is to me what makes a good trader, dude. Not when you're on a streak or you're like anyone can kind of be okay once in a while. To me, the whole thing is what do you do when you're all fucked up, dude? Right. And 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 that's what that's why I do it live every day because I, you know, I used to do a webinar a week or every couple of weeks. And and what I found was like I'm I was kind of good at bullshitting for an hour or two hours every week because I could I could adhere to my rules for sure, or like the same thought pattern for an hour a week. But now I'm with them every day trading all different markets and all different fucking circumstances and seeing my patterns come and go and my P&Ls change. Like all the ebbs and flows is what I want them to see because that's what makes a trader to me. You know yes, what I mean? Yeah. We're always adapting. We're always we're always trying to improve and improve, yep. tweak, make adjustments. What markets are you trading most now? Still small cap? Small cap, mid cap. Um, dude, I got in a large cap in 2022 because I had a necessity, dude. Small cap was oh. just gone dude like I, are you more I of a long was, trader or are you short i'm a i'm 100 long these days that's man. what i thought that's um what I thought. which is also a difficult niche you know in terms of small cap short sellers rule dude of course they also blow up a lot and you never hear about it but right you know that but it, you know they're, they're the big money them institutional investors uh small cap gets a really bad rep because they are scammy dude they're the companies themselves are shitty um 
but people just, I think, you know, it's kind of ignorance. I, it's all I've traded for so long. I know the space, dude. I know what the scams are like. I, and the biggest scam are like the companies themselves and the fact that they dump shares on, on retail all day, every day, that's right. the biggest scam. And, right. but guess what, if you know that and you're putting yourself in that frame of mind, they're not doing it by surprise. They no. it's in the filings, dude. They tell you where they're dumping shares. You know, people are just too fucking lazy. Even to down to the price. Out, they'll tell you the price even, that they plan to uh, dump. How many, where, when, all you have to do is read actually into the filings, which now there are tools like dilution tracker. There's these sites now There's all these that do AI it for things you. that do it for you. Dude, right. It does it for you, bro. Like yep. going through filings now for me takes 30 seconds. It's on a graph and I can trust it for the most part. So right. imagine but, but that's being the guys I mean. that were like back in the eighties, bro, before the internet that had to like call their trades in. And now look, you're using oh, AI dude. to read the press release exactly. and, and summarize it in three minutes. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so, so that to me, once you understand, and I, this goes for anything, dude. All the best traders I know know what they're trading. Now, they don't yeah. just know the instrument, but they know the ins and outs of how everything works. They know how the macros affect the micro stuff, you know, down to the pattern. They know that the macro today, if the markets are doing this, hey, I got to adjust and do certain things differently because they have that, you know, yeah. so that. I think that's why that I struggled with stuff. Forex for a long time. I was up and down with Forex until I started to trade more of the U.S. indices. I love the U.S. indices. I read the market all the day. I'm in the news. I'm on Twitter. I'm tapped into it. Right. So naturally, like mm -hmm. you just said, I'm going to trade it better. I like it more, and I'm interested in it more, and I understand both sides of it. Forex is very difficult to understand, I think, the macro things because there's so many components, so many variables. Yep. But I wanted to ask you um, a question from a buddy of mine. I told him I was sitting with you. And he goes, you got it because he's in finance as well. He works for yeah. uh, Fidelity. And he goes, you got to ask him what separates him from all the other people that get into day trading small cap stocks and they get blown out and then they never trade again and they think it's a scam and they're afraid. Now, from talking to you for an hour, because this is the first time we've spoken, clearly it's your competitive edge. Clearly it's your intellect. Clearly it's a couple of characteristics that you were born with. You're, again, the competitive driving you is, I would say, one of the main ones. But is there anything else that you would say makes you different and that other people could try to uh, you know, implied into their own life. Yeah, dude. Uh, everyone just wants shit spoon fed to them. They want to know what the strategies are and they need to learn them from someone. Okay. That's the game. And I get it. That's what's, that's, what's marketed. They want to know the setups, the strategies, the stock picks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, but then even beyond that, once they get past that, they're still going to be trading common setups, man, breakouts, chasing strength. Like anytime anyone starts trading anything, man, when things are going up, that's like when they get excited. Okay. I realized kind of early on in my journey that it didn't pay to be like that. Like specifically when I started watching Tim Grittani, that's when I realized, okay, this area that I'm buying that he's, you know, where I'm getting all amped up. Every other noob must be amped up here too. Every shitty trader in the world is going to be trying to buy this right now. And then the short seller is doing the opposite of that. So, and he's making money. And why the fuck is that? So what I, so I think what set me apart early on was the decision that I need to sell where this good short sellers are selling. And then I, and then from that point, I had to reverse engineer entries. So instead of trading anything, anyone was trading breakouts, you know, cup and hand, any of your basic trading patterns that you see, you'll see like the ads with the whoop, 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 whoop. like none of that shit, bro. You know, um, nothing, nothing I could Google is what I was trading. Okay. I was tracking setups for myself developing my own strategies, all based on selling to me, dude, selling to noob retail traders, selling to, if I could figure out how to sell to the breakout, 
then I'm going to make money forever in small cap land, dude. You know, that's the idea that's driven my trading over time. And I think that's what set me apart early along with my journey, dude, the drug, you know, like the athlete part and the drug addict, alcoholic part and the father part and, the, you know, all the different hats I've had to wear over time enable me on a daily basis to pretty much kind of rewire myself psychologically, dude, which has been the key. The fact that and as I can, a trader, you got to reinvent as the markets change. 100%. That's why I struggled last year because I didn't do that effectively. Yeah. Like I had done yeah. throughout my career. So yeah. Yeah, bro. That's a great answer. And it, it's very overarching that I think you balance humility, uh, yeah, humility, being humble with confidence. So could you speak just for a second on do you do that consciously? Like, are you thinking, all right, this is where my ego is too much in, in control here. I, I got to tone it back. Or I'm not feeling myself. What do I got to do to give me the ego boost to get confident, get back on the high horse? How, like, are you thinking about that a lot? Can you speak on that a little bit? I just try to speak about what I know really well, man. That's all I do. And if I sound confident, it's because I am confident in what I'm saying, because I've seen either seen it or experienced it myself uh, or with so many students over the years, time after time. And that's where that confidence comes from, just like anything. You know, I mean, if I were to speak about many other things, I would not sound that confident. But when sure. it comes to these things, I do. And the one thing that I don't do is when I don't have answers, I don't bullshit. So I, you know, I'm the first one to be like, I don't know, <laughs> right. I, I'll point you to someone who maybe has an answer for that, but I just certainly don't know. And, and I think as long as I can adhere to that, I can sound confident without being an egotistical douchebag. You know what of I course. mean? What uh, about when you're wrong? Are you quick to admit that you're wrong or are you? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Now, maybe not with my wife as much as I should, but, <laughs> uh, but that's a different dude. I'm not the same person. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm trader Roland versus husband Roland, different person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But anyone who's been married for like nine years can attest. It's, it, it's a ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. It is bro. But, I, uh, I can end hundred percent. Yeah. She's my favorite person in the whole world. I couldn't live without her. And yeah. And, but that doesn't uh, mean yeah, she ain't going to grind your gear sometimes, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, what was that line? Uh, ah, don't worry about it. Um, um yeah. So, so that's, uh, go ahead, James. What were you going to say? I wanted to ask. Gonna... I wanted to ask, Scarlett. I'll talk over James the whole podcast, Roland, as you can't tell. Yeah. Like, it'll, it'll take <laughs> five, you're, five you guys are, conversations. No, you're good, dude. You're good. Um, I wanted to ask, Roland, because um, <laughs> clearly I've got lots to learn. I'm 24. I'm 20, 25 and two weeks. Bro, you better so be got, taking notes this podcast, bro. Yeah, I've been you. taking yeah. notes. Don't you worry. I, Especially since you said you want I'll, six kids. I want five. Yeah, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But that, that's super cool because Roland's like literally someone that I would want to be like when I'm 38. How old are you, Roland? You're 50 now. 37, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 37, <laughs> going on 50. Bro, don't yeah. get rid of our guests um, yeah. already. We're not even done the no. first episode. <laughs> Fuck. I'm no, so, fun, when, so when I get to Roland, like I want to be like what Roland's doing is literally what you're like a role model for. I'm, I'm pretty sure Austin as well, but myself. 100%. Um, so um, I wanted to ask. So, and that's, it was touched on now. When you, uh, to admit when you're wrong, what is your process for admitting you're wrong and maybe tweaking one of your weaknesses, right? Because I think that's the big thing. What I've learned this year in my trading uh, is tweaking uh, in making your C game, improving your C game. You know, I don't know if you've heard of Jared Tender, but his book, the, Men the Mental Game of Trading is a great book. And that's what I've been working a lot with Austin and Tom and, and Evan this year. What do you do? What's your process of, you know, when you went through that six month drought of what's your process to improve your C game and... And, and get better essentially. So 
so consciousness of it. Uh, for me, the first thing that I always have to do is just size the fuck down, dude. I like that's usually like if I'm struggling real bad, the first thing I have to do is do this weird thing that I figured out for myself last year, man. I had never since 2017, I hadn't been able to trade small size, dude. Like I couldn't go back to the, uh, I couldn't go back to the, like make 20, 50 buck kind of things, you know, like the, I, it didn't seem worth it to me. I'm like, why am I even trading? If that's, if that's the case. And if that was my plan to make that much, in other words, of course you have those trades, but, but I wasn't planning on having tiny trades and, and I thought I had sized down enough last year and I hadn't, I needed to five X dude. I went down to like, okay, Roland, let's see this week. If we can make a hundred or 150 bucks on a trade, dude. And I had not been in that mode since I was a noob, you know? So I took it all the way to scratch. Um, which means what do I have to risk? Fuck. I got to risk 20, 30, 40 bucks on a trade. Like, uh, you know, it's stupid. It seems yeah. stupid, but let's try to play this game. And, and, um, and, on top of that, I went through my whole body of work from the six months before I went through all the data to see what the fuck I was doing. I found out I was trading a lot of shit that I was trading as a noob. Like I was falling prey to a lot of stupid setups and trading a lot of setups that I normally wouldn't trade. And, and, um, so between going through my data and then bringing my size back down, that was the key, dude. Um, I went on like a two week streak immediately on small size, but instead of making that 200, I was trying to make, I was making three, 400 bucks a trade two X and what I was trying to make, you know, and that went on for like a week. And after two weeks, dude, I was full blown size. And I made a hundred K in December last wow. year. Wow. So for cutting it, back the size, I broke, builds... I broke, I broke my year even pretty much in December That's from amazing. this process, dude. That's like, amazing. I just, Oh, but if you look at November, December, if you look at spy, you look at the markets, man, too, there was a, that was the bottom that for was now. The bottom. Yeah. For now that yeah. was it, dude. So yeah. there, so I saw this huge shift in small cap, which I had been preaching that was going to happen, which is like all the big cap, like to 20, here's one of the main issues, 2020, 2021, the stocks went so high. I was running out of small cap stocks. No joke. There were no stocks really? under a buck, two bucks. There were zero stocks under a dollar. Oh, that makes point. sense because everything is ripping. Z everything was ripping, dude. I'm telling you, if I like, I brought my scanner up. I'm like, filter by a dollar, zero, nothing, with wow. no volume. No, there were no stocks under a dollar, and then there were very few under two, and they were all and they were all worthless. I know all these stocks are worthless, so I'm gonna trade all this shit now. You know, it was really bad. Um, so yeah, the November is when that kind of stopped, and that whole time I'm like, at some point we're gonna see these small these all these stocks that got destroyed in 2022, which that's what happened. So all I was happy kind of at the end of the year. Cause I looked around, I'm like, dude, I got 2000 stocks under two bucks right now, dude. Like <laughs> you're back. You know what I mean? I'm back baby. And, and that <laughs> combined dude. So it was just, that's life, dude, you know, market cycles mixed with our personal cycles. And, and that was kind of, um, and then but the, cutting the size down is the foundation. Yeah. Yes. That's huge, the big dude. It just let me get my confidence back and see that. That's I what I was going to say. So again. you build the confidence, then you mm -hmm. increase the size, make a hundred grand in a month. Oh, dude. And the destruction of the ego, bro. Any ego I had was gone. You yeah, know, when I'm like, right. all right, I'm trying to miss, like, uh, I'm trying to make a hundred bucks right now. My ego was gone, dude. You know? Right. Right. But you have I'll, to swallow and, it to move forward. Yep. Dude, that's, I, that's dude, cool. go ahead. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I, I just wanted to ask again. That's, uh, that I think that's probably also with me when I start to not see the market well, or you've been taking time off, probably better to size down and ease back into it. Like I came from a trip back from a trip. Now I ease back into it. I'm doing that um, right now, bro. With everything with my dad yeah. last month, that's what I'm doing right now. hundred yep. percent. Well, so I me wanted too. to ask now, Roland, for you being, you being, um, you know, as I said, like a family man and, and, uh, and, and being trading for a while. What, what do you think the key is for me? I want to be trading when someone asks me, 
James, what do you see yourself doing in 30 years time? I always tell them, dude, I love what I do. I love trading. I'm, I want to be trading until I'm 70, 80 years old. Like, honestly, like you can't tell me I won't be doing that because that's all I know. It's all I want to do. And so from someone from you, uh, what do you think the key is to longevity in this career? Oh man, you got to have a hard head, but you also have to have a short memory, man, in terms of, I, dude, I don't live my PL, man. I, and dude, I, the second that loss is gone, if I, here's what I do if I made a mistake, then I got to fucking fix the mistake. And that's all I want to be conscious of when I lose is did I make a mistake? If I executed my plan, it's a good trade. That's how I always look at it, dude. And because of that, I don't give a shit about winning or losing that much. And I know the way my process is based on risk reward and the profiles that I get over time, which are, I, dude, the way I trade small cap is not one to three one to two, one to five. I'm looking for sometimes one to five, I'd say minimum, but I get one to 10, one to 20. I'm, I have very specific things in terms of if I'm trading some of these worst, dude, I have more money than most of the companies I trade. I have more cash in my bank than most of the companies that I trade, dude. That's how crazy that it can get. Um, that is crazy that, to say, bro. Right. But it is, dude. But it, I know it's true because some of these companies ain't worth nothing. They're nothing, dude. They owe money, you know? So like, and they're, <laughs> and they need money. And the only way to make money is by dumping. So once I, you get that under context, yeah. Why do I want one-on-one on my money? If I'm putting my money into this shitty company, <laughs> I, the cool part is dude, is that those shitty companies are also going to be the most volatile stock that day yeah. straight up. Like, I mean, look at, uh, you know, people at home, but like TUP this week, it's 60 cents to six bucks this week over the last week and a half. That's like a thousand percent run. That's amazing. And it's a piece of shit penny stock, dude, you know, and, and, uh, and those are the opportunities that I, that I don't personally make all my money from. I don't hold stocks like that and look for home runs like that, but there's a lot of predictable scenarios where that is what I do. So it's, um, yeah, it's the longevity part. You have to have a very good system and process that enables you to not be under too much stress all the time. You know, I'm not, my trading's not stressful. Uh, it's just process driven. I try to just trade plans and then adjust my plans if they're not working, man, you know, because of that, I don't get too sucked into too much emotional crap throughout the day. I know that either I, my plans need to be adjusted or I made a mistake. And if I made a mistake, that's something that I need to meet head on. And if it's my plans, then we just move to the next trade. I could lose the next five trades and I just need that one winning trade. That's how I go about it. Uh, you know? I think if you can have a system that allows you to not be highly, highly accurate, but still make money, that's a big deal. You know, a lot of people are looking for that one that works every time. And for me, that's not the case. I need something that over time I, I can be half right and make a lot of money from still, um, you know, situations like that. And then everything in between are kind of what will make it up. Passion, bro. If you don't have passion, man, if you don't love, be, love, love, done. done, see ya. Period. Yeah, because one down, down period. I just got ruin super you. goosebumps, bro. Like the super yeah. all my dude, because that was the main thing for me, dude. Same with our sports careers, dude. I was just passionate. That's why I woke yeah. up before everyone, before school, and trained more than everyone. You know, yeah. I, that's why I did all the extra things because I had that same fire burn. And if the fire burns bright, dude, then and then and then you can couple that with with a systematized process you're getting away from just being like a degenerate, you know, you're not a gambler. And that's kind of what I tell people because there's always that kind of uh, gambling versus trader thing going on. And, um, and there's both, you know, you're either a gambler or a trader in my opinion. hundred percent. I agree hundred yeah. percent. And there's a time and place for it, right? We can go play blackjack and we can gamble our balls off. Oh yeah. But when it comes to trading, we need to put the right hat on. 
I have my, uh, my final question for you, Roland. This has been a great hour. I know the audience is going to love this, and I know there's going to be questions. So I hope you don't mind coming back for a part two. Dude, in a I, dude, I'd love, dude, I love speaking with you guys. It was a great conversation. Good, yeah, good. I love uh, to hear that. Yeah, this, what, hey, this is what I was talking about. This is what I was Not, talking about, by the way. Yeah, where uh, I, I don't give a shit what you trade, dude. Like, no, all traders are are going through exact same battle psychologically, yes. yeah. emotionally. In their lives, but learning, also listen. You if know, you sat down with guys that were like the Lambo guys that aren't really trading, that are more the degenerate, you wouldn't enjoy the conversation as much. I don't have them on the podcast. Probably for a not. It's probably what are we gonna? Not. I don't care about your supercar. I don't care that it's rented or whatever. Like it doesn't interest me. I want to talk with real experience. Someone like yourself, homeless to successful trading. Like come on, like it doesn't get that, any more real dude, than that, bro. Dude, that being said, though, if yeah. I if I meet someone with a Lambo and I and has and is pushing that lifestyle, who yeah. can? who who can trade their asses yeah. off and respect. contribute to and who i respect as a trader i don't give a shit you know like no uh, no not I'll, beefing I'll that it's for, the guys that yeah. aren't trading uh -huh. and aren't pushing good trading percent. principles yep. they're the uh, ones yep. what are we going to talk about you haven't gone through the yep. same pain that i've gone through learning how to trade so we're not even on but the then, same but page so, so what happens is that it becomes apparent when you try to have a conversation is yes. what i'm trying to yes. say yeah 100 yes. i've had to drop yep. two podcast episodes because of that where I, I just, it. I knew afterwards, I'm like this, it's not going to rub the right way. Uh, no point. So here, mm -hmm. my, my final thought for you, my final question, when you approach the consistent improving as a trader and you coach people through the consistent improvement, are there any tactics, any journaling software, anything that you could give the listeners today to take and start using in their own trading right away? Any tools, anything you could not trade without or not improve your trading without? Well, it depends on what you're trading. Obviously I have specific scans and things that I can't trade without, you know, I, sure. I am, I'm trading stocks. Um, I am trading volatility and momentum and stuff like that. So I need to have my eyes on many stocks. Um, so obviously you're scanning software and stuff like that, dude, I think it's huge to surround yourself with traders. I think that is one of the biggest things you can do. If you're passionate, make sure that that is what your circle looks like, man. Surround yourself with people who are heading in the same direction as you. Um, that can help you with accountability, you know, that can help you dude. someone to talk to man. I found one of the biggest things for me has been able to have people to talk to when I'm struggling or when I'm doing well, or I want to push an idea to someone, just another set of ears, another set of eyes, dude. I, I have found that to be super powerful. That being said, if you're part of the wrong community, you know, bad things can happen too, because there's bad things that happen there. But between that patience, man, patience with yourself, um, above all hard work, dude, They're hard work, screen time. I know it's been beaten over and over, over people's heads, like hard work, dedication. It's very simple to say, but you have to get through the initial learning curve as quickly as you can. That is the main thing that people need to do. You have to get to where you're trading a process. And to do that, you have to learn all the basics, whatever you're going to be trading, make sure that you're learning how the markets are structured, how the things move, you know, how to get executed, like all the little nuances of that stuff. The terminology, that's first. That's like the first curve. And you can do that as fast as humanly possible, dude. There's so much information out there. There's zero magic to learning like technical analysis. Of course, there's levels to it. Of course, there's levels to fundamental analysis and all that good stuff. But it's not complicated. It can, you, you can make it complicated, but it's very simple at the end of the day. You can learn that as quickly as possible. So that's what I would say. Get through the beginning stuff as quickly as you can so you can get to the psychology and dealing with all the fucked up things that are going to happen to you in your head as you now try to implement your own strategies and imp impose your will on everything, you know, and kind Which of never really go away, right? Those psychological never, things, they, ever, they, ever. they never stop. No, 
never yeah. ever but that what's beautiful that i found is that if i can eliminate it once i can eliminate it twice so so just just being conscious of of and that that's if for people who are journaling here, here's the last thing i'll say um the biggest part about the journaling for me was to identify my mental weaknesses so i would journal something about the trade but i'd always try to hit my frame of mind and then there were certain things that i would notate FOMO, revenge trading, the very bad things that you can do. Um, if I fell prey to those, I would mark it. You know, I'd want to be aware of that because I can't trust my data if I'm making mistakes, like I said. And most of the mistakes I'm going to make are because I'm doing something weird psychologically or I have something weird going on. So if you can, if you can get to objectively look at your data because you know whether you are making mistakes or not, that will also help a lot, you know? A hundred percent. That's a great point because a lot of people will look to the journaling and make it about the chart. You should yeah. be journaling oh, yeah. your thoughts and your feelings, uh -huh. and that will be yep. more of an it, more information to make better decisions from going forward. Exactly. Yeah, to make tweaks. Hundred yep. percent. Well said, bro. I love it. Listen, Roland, you are the man, bro. I'm glad that we were able to finally connect because it's Me been too, a long dude. time. Like I said, bro, you're a great guy. I I really appreciate, it. and I know that you are a great influence on the trading community. So I'm happy to have you here anytime you'd like to share anything. Like I said, we'll definitely do a part two in the future, James. Thank you, bro. You're a great co-host as always. And for our listeners, do me a favor. Make sure you hit the comments on YouTube, wherever you're at. Shoot us a DM. You know, we're all able to easily get a hold of. Let us know what questions you want to be covered next time. We didn't talk about size of capital, funding companies, and all that stuff. We could talk more about that. We can go deeper into strategy and into the screening and the scans that he runs, and we can do some screen share and all that stuff. So let us know in the comments. We'll definitely be doing a part two in the future. And I think that's it for today. So make sure you're subscribed. Roland, thank you very much, bro. James, thank you very much. And to our listeners, thank you always. We appreciate you. And we'll see you in the next episode.